Amen. Well, thank you, and uh, you may be seated. And you have no idea how good it feels to be uh, standing here telling you to uh, get your Bibles out and uh, turn to Psalm 73. Um, I preached from Psalm 73 earlier in the year, the whole psalm. Uh, today I'm going to be focusing on one verse, uh, Psalm 73 and verse 26, which is uh, my life verse. And uh, if you're visiting with us today or haven't been around for very long, um, you don't know, but um, I'm in the midst of recovery from a heart attack, and, uh, and this is my first time back to open God's Word and uh, to preach. And, uh, um, and so this message will be a little bit different today because I want you to hear some of my story in all of this, but I also will want to stop, uh, start by uh, uh, giving some thank yous. Um, because as uh, we've journeyed through this time, uh, Sue and I and our family, um, the church has been absolutely amazing to us. Um, meals delivered at our home and uh, people coming to uh, pray for us. What a huge encouragement that is. Uh, leaders who stepped up and gone above and beyond the call of duty, just doing the right things uh, to do. Um, I'm thankful for the leaders. I'm thankful for faithful prayer warriors. Uh, we were getting comments, text, Facebook messages, emails, literally every day, uh, people who are praying for us, and, uh, and many of them are in this room, and I am very thankful for you. I'm thankful for the staff um, who stepped up and went above and beyond the call of duty. Um, Ten weeks ago yesterday, uh, at 3.30 in the afternoon, uh, Jason Locke found out he's preaching this weekend. And uh, he stepped up and opened the book of God's Word to the book of Colossians and preached well uh, to the glory of God. Um, and then my son preached, and then Daniel stepped in. And uh, over the weeks, um, just so amazing to watch the staff as they picked up extra responsibilities. I'm thankful for our staff. I, I'm thankful for the elders. I have actually have a picture of them um, the day after my heart attack on the Sunday. Uh, these three men showed up at the hospital. George was away in Romania at the time. And uh, this is a picture of them praying over me. And uh, what a great blessing that was um, in my life. Not the best picture of me in my life, but I was just glad there was a picture of me that day in my life. And uh, thankful for the elders. I'm thankful for my family, my uh, two kids and their spouses and my grandchildren praying for Papa and a uh, huge, huge blessing in my life. And then I'm thankful for my wife who stuck with it. And uh, for the first month, um, you can't drive. And she took me everywhere I had to go. And uh, I'm not a good passenger in the car. And uh, she deserves a medal. And uh, she prayed for me uh, every day. And also the day of my heart attack, I gave her my phone. I didn't touch my computer until I'd been to the cardiologist three or four weeks or however many it was after that. And, and she was the communication center for our family. And uh, just to relieve all of those things and kind of set them aside uh, for some time of healing. And then uh, most importantly, I'm thankful to God uh, for his faithfulness and for his goodness. So I said, this message will be a little bit different today. Um, today, I want to talk about my heart, and I want to talk about your heart. You know, the heart that we have within us, that thing that's pumping all the time, is an amazing organ. It's an amazing piece of God's creation. The average heart beats 72 times a minute. That's 100,000 times a day. That's 3.6 million times a year. That's 2.5 billion times during your lifetime. 
I don't have anything else in my life. I don't buy anything that goes on, how many did I say? Uh, 2.5 billion times. They wear out. They break down. They, and yet that heart. Um, it's funny, after you have a heart attack and you get up and you start walking around, you begin to wonder, I wonder how many beats are left in this thing. And, uh, but God is good and uh, he is faithful. Your heart weighs about 11 ounces or 310 grams. It pumps um, 2,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of blood vessels every day. Your heart is about the size of your fist. Um, it can vary in how much it pumps from 5 to 30 liters of blood uh, per minute. Every day, your heart creates enough energy to drive a truck 20 miles. The heart pumps blood to almost all of the body's 75 trillion cells. Only your corneas receive no blood supply. During an average lifetime, the heart will pump nearly 1.5 million barrels of blood, enough to fill 200 train tank cars. The thump thump of a heartbeat is the sound made of the four valves of the heart opening and closing. The heart begins beating at four weeks after conception and does not stop until death. The pressure a human heart generates is strong enough to squirt blood 30 feet across the room. Now those are the human statistics and information about your physical heart. And God has some things to say about our spiritual heart. But when we come to Psalm 73, uh, we need to understand you can't understand my flesh and my heart may fail if you don't understand there's a physical part to this first. So it gave it a context. So you got your Bibles open. Let's stand together. We want to honor uh, God by reading his word. I'm going to start at verse 24 down to the end of the chapter. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it's good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all of your works. Father, thank you. Thank you for this word that we hold in our hands. Thank you for the truth of it. And Lord, I pray that you now would truly, God, help us to listen to what your spirit says to us today. It matters little what I think. It matters absolutely and completely what you think about these things. So Lord, take your word, God, use it in us to conform us to the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. You can be seated. You know, it's interesting in our lives, things that you say, uh, they come back on you. And uh, some things that I've said standing right here, um, some folks have pointed out to me um, over these last uh, 10 weeks. Um, here's two or three of them. Uh, I've stood here and I said, hey, if I get hit by a bus, a church will still go on next weekend. And uh, so on Saturday, July the 22nd, I got hit by a bus, not a literal bus, but a, a bus that was called a heart attack. And uh, one of the very cool things was church went on. Um, it's not my church. This church doesn't exist because of who I am. This church exists because of who God is. This church exists because of his glory, because of his working. And, uh, and so I learned that that statement is true. Um, I get hit by a bus, the services will still go on. And God's people will meet together, and God's people will worship, and God's church will grow 
That was one of those statements. Earlier this year, I preached a message. It was entitled, The Words You Never Want to Hear. And in that message, the words you never want to hear are, depart from me, I never knew you. But in that message, I made fun of a statement, and uh, the words I never want to hear is, no, we are not going to Dairy Queen. (laughs) And those words have now come to be true in my life. When I preached Psalm 23, I said, uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And when I, when I broke my ankle, um, I was laid out in a hospital bed for a number of days. And, uh, and I came to understand that in some ways that was my green pasture. That's what I needed. And, uh, and so once again, the Lord laid me down in what I see now as green pastures. It looked like a hospital bed then too. And weeks of recovery. And so the things you say, they come back to bite you, um, but good in teaching and learning. Uh, shortly after we got home and I was recovering at home, uh, somebody on Facebook uh, put this picture up, so true of my life. Um, Toby Mack, who's a uh, Christian artist, said this, God will sometimes wreck your plans when he sees that your plans are about to wreck you. God will sometimes wreck your plans when he sees that your plans are about to wreck you. Um, if I had read that about three months ago, I'd have said, yeah, that's some people need to hear that. Um, and then I realized that statement was for me. Um, the things that we were doing, the things that we were working to, I'm not blaming the church, I'm not blaming the elders, I'm not blaming my wife, I'm not blaming the Lord, I, I'm putting the responsibility on me. God will sometimes wreck your plans when he sees that your plans are about to wreck you. And I hope that this message today will kind of help us to understand some of those things. And so uh, three points to the message. Here's the first one. The human heart will fail. The human heart will fail my story. I want to take a few minutes to tell you my story. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Um, the night of my heart attack, I was in recovery. I'll tell you about that in a moment. But my, my son was there, and we were talking about this verse, and he said to me, he said, Dad, uh, perhaps you should change your life verse. <laughs> and I said, son, you can't change your life verse. You, you can change the verse of the week or the verse of the month, but you can't change uh, your, life worth, your life verse. But I realize that as we get older, our bodies aren't what they used to be. Uh, things are breaking down. The, in Corinthians, it says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Um, things I used to do and not even think about it, like um, mushrooms on my pizza. Yeah, that's gone in my life a number of years ago now. I just can't handle that anymore. And a coffee after about six o'clock at night. I just don't, just don't do that anymore. There, there are things that as you get older, they just uh, need to go away because our bodies, our bodies are breaking down. Um, my flesh and my heart may fail. And mine gave me a very strong warning when I had a heart attack. Well, what is a what, a heart, what is a heart attack? Um, well, it's called, also called a myocardial infarction. The damage or death of an area of the heart muscle, the myocardium, resulting from blocked blood supply to that area. A medical term for a heart attack. A coronary thrombosis, a formation of a clot in one of the arteries uh, that conduct blood to the heart muscle, also called 
coronary occlusion. Now, the bottom line, uh, a, a heart attack happens when blood is blocked and it's not getting to your heart and your heart is starving uh, for blood. And that's what happened to me. I had 100% blockage in one of my main arteries and as a result, I had a heart attack. Here's the story of what happened that day. On, on July the 22nd, literally 20, uh, 10 weeks ago yesterday, um, I was getting ready for church getting ready to come and preach. I'd had a shower. It was in the middle of the afternoon. And as I was sitting there, I started to feel like a pressure in my chest. And, uh, and at first, it was just kind of like stretch and see. Maybe I'm just hungry. It was just, then the pressure started to grow, and it became more and more. And I uh, started to feel it more strongly. And I said to Sue, we got to go and get this checked out. And she said, well, what are you feeling? I'm feeling this pressure in my chest, and I feel it going up into my neck and down my arm. And she said, you're having a heart attack. Um, she said, go and take two aspirins. You know that commercial on TV that talks about having aspirins in your house? Well, uh, we already had some in our house. And chew two aspirins, get in the car. Sue takes me to the hospital. And we get to the hospital. And um, my wife, who's not a real pushy person, she was a pushy person that day. Uh, she moved me right to the front of the line and announced to the nurse, my husband's having a heart attack. Um, you don't want to bluff in the hospital with those words. But when those words are true, you move right to the front of the line. And uh, I went in and lay down on the gurney, and uh, they did an ECG. And I've had ECGs before, and the nurse usually takes her, the, uh, the person who's there, they usually take it, and they, they look at it, and they walk out. And half an hour later, a doctor comes back and tells you what's going on. It wasn't like that on this day. On this day, she took that thing, and she ripped it off. She looked at it. She went right out the door. And what couldn't have been more than 10 seconds later, the doctor's back in the room. And he says these words, he says, uh, you are having a heart attack. Um, and we're going to be sending you up to uh, Newmarket, to South Lake Hospital, an ambulance with lights and sirens. And, um, and then he said these two things. Um, he said, um, you're going to be eating a lot of lettuce. <laughs> And you're going to have to lose 25 pounds. I remember laying on the gurney. You understand I'm a pastor. I'm used to being on, more on the other side, not being the doctor or anything, but being there with people and praying with them. It's so surreal. When you're laying on the gurney and the guy's saying, you are having a heart attack, you're going to eat a lot of lettuce, and you're going to have to lose 25 pounds. And the thought that went through my, my head was, 25? Are you kidding? I'm going to have to lose 50 pounds. And... Uh, and so they put a pill under my tongue and gave me some medication and uh, put me in an ambulance and uh, sent me with lights and sirens. I've been in an ambulance before, never that kind of a ride. Never got to go through the red lights before and up the 404. And I don't know how fast we were going, but as I was looking through the back window of the ambulance, stuff was going by really, really fast. And uh, I remember when we got to the Newmarket Hospital, as you turn, just before you turn in, as you turn into the emergency there, I'm looking through, and the last thing I saw before I got to the hospital was a sign that said Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> and came to the realization that that's gone out of my life as well. And uh, so there were some funny moments in all of this as well. And the fact that I'm standing here is God's goodness and his faithfulness uh, to me. Um, 
we get to the hospital, and as we're going into the hospital, it's all under construction there, and uh, the outside is beautiful. They're still working on the inside, and I'm on a gurney kind of being rolled through like the main foyer of the hospital, and as we go by the Tim Hortons, I said to the guy, I guess I'm not getting a double-double, and uh, he said, no, you're not, and uh, we rolled in, and everything in God's timing, that was an amazing thing, was the, uh, I went right into the surgery. They did it. They showed me the picture of the before and after of uh, the, where the blood was going, and she said, do you see where it isn't going? I couldn't see it, so she then showed me the after and a whole artery where no blood was before now has blood flowing through it because they'd taken and through my wrist put a stent in my heart and... Uh, you begin to feel a lot better pretty quick, but um, you have a long way to go. I am so thankful uh, for God's goodness to me in all of that. Um, we arrived at the hospital in Markham at a, about 3.30. And by 5.30, two hours later, the process was done. I was finished. Uh, like, that's unbelievable. Um, they talk about a six-hour window to get the medication and everything into you and all the rest of that. Like, it was all done for me, and I, I am so thankful to the Lord and His goodness to me in that and His faithfulness to that. My wife and getting me to the hospital, I am so thank you, thankful for doctors and nurses and attendants and all of those people who uh, took good care of me. And, uh, and so that we got to the hospital um, at 3.30 on Saturday and Monday uh, mid-afternoon. Here's a picture of us. Uh, leaving the hospital, Sue and I, my daughter stopped, dropped behind to take a picture, and uh, you have no idea how much you value those pictures now, even though it's a little bit blurry, um, the reality that you're walking out of a hospital. And uh, so now I'm in the midst of recovery, um, cardio rehab every week, uh, changing my diet, out walking, timed walks, all those things that go on for the next six months is the beginning of the rest of my life. That's, that's a little bit of my story. Well, on the last morning, they did an ultrasound of my heart uh, to find out what the damage was to it because you can't have a heart attack and not have damage. If there's no damage, there wasn't a heart attack. That's basically the layman's view of that, but that's the way it is. And so they, they did that, and uh, then I got the report of that. And, and uh, one of the things I learned in that report, it showed that the blood flow, at least in that part of my heart, was at 42%. And when I got that, I like, oh, no, that's awful. Um, and then I asked a couple of questions, and I found out that normal is 52%, okay? And I don't know why doctors do that to you. Probably try and give you another heart attack. I'm not sure. Um, um, and so all of a sudden, I'm like, well, I just got 80 on the test instead of 42 on the test, right? And, um, but the reality is it just demonstrates that there was damage. On a scale of one to four, uh, the damage to my heart is at the high end of one, but it's not two and three and four, uh, for which I am so thankful. And I believe that's because of God's goodness and the quickness of the way things were taken care of for me. And, and I'm not in denial of any of this. There was damage to my heart. And in six months from when it happened, for basically four months from now, I'll go back and they'll do another ultrasound of my heart and uh, to determine what kind of recovery, if any, there has been to my heart. Did it go from 42 to 44, 42 to 48? What, what is, or is it still at 42? And uh, that's what I will live with for the rest of my life. I will work all of that out and God is in control of it and I'm very thankful uh, for his goodness. So uh, keep praying for us. Um, we're slowly moving forward to whatever the new normal will look like the new normal won't look like the old normal. 
That's going to have to be different. And uh, so why did this happen? Why did uh, Pastor Paul have a heart attack? Well, there are a number of reasons. Uh, one of them would be heredity. Um, my mom had a quadruple bypass when she was about my age. And uh, so there's something in the genes, um, no question about that, that is a part of the process that I'm going through. Um, stress. Stress is a cause of heart attacks. And uh, I remember when I went for my stress test up at the cardio rehab and uh, um, the, um, the doctor, um, the cardiologist, um, I've done that. He's interviewing me. We're talking about some things. And uh, he says, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a pastor. He said, what church? I said, Harvest Bible Chapel in York Region down, you know, at the 404 in McAllen. And he said this. He said, is there any stress in that job? <laughs> I wanted to bring him in today. Just let him look at you people. And... Uh, <laughs> But you don't kind of fit into one of their regular boxes. You're not a teacher or a truck driver or a bank manager, or, right? So they're not exactly sure uh, what to do with you. And uh, I said, yeah, well, there's some stress in my job for sure. And he said, oh, okay. Um, that's one of the reasons. Another reason is lack of exercise. Um, haven't done a lot of exercise since I moved down from Muskoka. Done a lot of work, been around a lot, but haven't taken care of my body and exercise like I should. That can cause a heart attack. A bad choices. Bad choices cause heart attacks. Now, all of these don't represent me, but bad choices cause heart attacks like uh, smoking, um, the misuse of alcohol, a poor diet, poor time management. All of those bad choices are, are things that can be factors in what causes a heart attack. And you got to get those things taken care of. So the first two were easy for me. Smoking, check. Misuse of alcohol, check which was good news and bad news because I got those things off my list and I still had a heart attack. Um, and uh, poor diet, time management. God will sometimes wreck your plans when he sees your plans are about to wreck you. So what are the reactions that people have when they have a heart attack? All of this is going somewhere. You'll see it in just a moment because there's some parallels between what I went through in the physical and what we all go through in the spiritual. And so some people, when they have a heart attack, they doubt that they really had a heart attack. They don't want to own it. And so it's just like, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it's just a feeling and I don't feel it anymore. And, or they deny it. And they live in denial of the fact that they've actually had a heart attack. There's actually damage done to their heart. Some people are absolutely filled with fear. And as we're uh, up in the classes that I go up to uh, every Tuesday afternoon for six months, you hear that sometimes in the comments that are made. I had a little bit of that. It's like, how many beats are left in this heart, right? And it can bring you to a, a place of fear. Now, God's been gracious to me in all of that and trusting him in it. But it's a feeling. It's true. Um, some people get angry. Why is this happening to me? I'm at the prime of my life. Lord, don't you know the church is going well and I'm their pastor and you can get angry about things and the Lord has delivered me from that and I am thankful for that. Some people come to despair and hopelessness. I guess my life is over. And so those are some of the reactions that you can have or, or you can do what I'm seeking to do. You can realize, you can realize what happened to you in the physical. You can accept it that it has happened and it has happened to you and then you can change. 
You can change. You can start to do the things that you need to do. You can start to eat right. You can start to exercise more. You can watch your time and what your priorities are. And all of those things will give you a, a good step forward to a healthier, physical, beating heart as the days go forward. Well, the human heart will fail. That's my story. The second part of this message is the spiritual heart will fail. That's our story. That's our story. The spiritual heart will fail. That's our story. My flesh and my heart may fail. As important as the physical heart is, the human heart, the spiritual heart is more important. The Bible talks about your heart three more than 300 times in the Bible. It's where your emotions and your desires dwell. What doctors and surgeons and nurses and all they did to save my life was great. And I appreciate it. I am so thankful for it. But the reality is if you live to be 100 years old and have a healthy physical heart, but are dead spiritually, the implications are eternal. And so this picture of our physical heart is a picture to understand a bigger issue for us when our spiritual heart will fail. That's our story. And so why does this happen? Why does our spiritual heart fail? Well, some of the same things we could use as a parallel. They don't parallel exactly, but one of them would be heredity. Heredity. I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Um, we're all sinners. We're all born sinners. Now, where the illustration falls apart here on your heart is until Jesus Christ makes you alive, you're dead. You're already dead, so heredity is, um, is like, it's, it's, but that's why we're dead. We're dead because of Adam's sin. We're dead because of the separation from God. That's the position we all find ourselves in. The spiritual heart will fail our story. We all have this precondition, but the precondition for us outside of Christ is that we are literally dead. Uh, why did this happen? spiritually. And maybe you remember a time in your life when you were walking closer with the Lord and now your heart seems hardened or cold. And why is that? Why is your heart not pumping like it used to pump? Well, perhaps it's stress. Perhaps it's the load you're putting on yourself, thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. And you're like, I got this, Lord. I can take care of this. I got, I'm going to be okay with this. And you create this stress in your own life. But your heart is failing. Maybe it's a lack of spiritual exercise. You're not spending time in the Word. And your spiritual heart is waning. It's not like it used to be. You used to be so close with the Lord. But you haven't been in the Word and you feel like your spiritual heart just isn't beating like it used to beat. Or you used to get up early and pray or spend time decidingly to pray before the Lord and calling out to Him for things and you're not doing that anymore. And your spiritual heart is failing. Perhaps you're not in fellowship. Yeah, you make it out to church sometime, but you're not really doing life together with other people. And you feel like your spiritual heart is failing. You're not exercising. 
You don't worship like you once did. You used to put music on in the house. You used to have it on in the car. You, you used to come to church with a heart of, Lord, speak to me. I'm before you, God. It's just you and me, Lord, in this. And you don't worship like you used to worship. And you find your heart is failing. And my flesh and my heart may fail. And maybe yours is failing because you're just not exercising your heart muscle like you should. Maybe your heart is failing because of bad choices. You're choosing what you want over what God wants. You're choosing to sin. You've said it here many times, choose to sin, choose to suffer, right? Um, and maybe your heart is failing because you're making bad choices. The bad use of alcohol, or misuse of alcohol, the smoking, all of those things in the physical, the spiritual, the bad choices you're making and you feel like your heart is failing. Well, that's why this happens to us. And what are the reactions that we have? Just like people have reactions to a heart attack that takes you to the hospital. Uh, people have reactions to the, my flesh and my heart may fail. It, it may cause doubt. I doubt. I doubt the Lord. I doubt what's going on. Um, and and, and look, it's not really that serious. I can turn this around at any time in my life. I can get this made right whenever I want to. And Proverbs 21, 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. Doubt. You deny it. I don't have a heart problem. You must be wrong. Now, some of you today are here. Maybe you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. and You're, you're in denial that you even have a need for your heart. Or, or maybe you're here and you're enjoying your sin. You go, I'm just kind of playing on the fringes. And, and you're in denial. In uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Maybe you're filled with fear and your heart isn't right and you're, oh no, about what lies ahead, I am doomed. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. We're coming to that in just a second. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And if your spiritual heart isn't right before the Lord, are you in doubt? Are you in denial of the seriousness of your heart condition? Are you filled with fear? And maybe you're filled with anger. Maybe something terrible has happened to you and you find yourself, um, it's not fair. I'm a good person. For Pete's sake, Lord, I'm the pastor of a church. How can you set me aside like this? And you get angry at God because your heart's not right. And maybe you're at the point of despair or I give up and there is no hope. Or, or, you realize, you accept, and you change. You realize that your heart isn't right. My flesh and my heart not may fail, they do fail. Uh, James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Realizing you're not where you once were, you accept the truth of that. 
You come to the place, Lord, I haven't been honoring you as I ought to honor you. I need to honor you in the ways that bring glory to Jesus Christ. You realize it, you accept it, and then you change. And then you change. Now, you want you to understand my story is not just a physical heart story. My story is also my story about my own spiritual heart. And this is a part where a God worked in my life. I, I read a book, a pile of books like this high over that time I was down. Don't get enough time to read the rest of my life, mostly because my priorities were messed up. But I read a lot of books, and I read a number of books by Tozer, which really were good for me to read. And uh, see, the reality is I can't change what's not mine to change. The heredity... I can't change that. Uh, the fact that my mom had to have a quadruple bypass meant I needed to be watching it, but I can't change that. Um, but there were parts of it that I could change and I should have changed and I chose not to change. I, my time management, my stress management, my exercise habits, my eating habits were all within my own influence. I had the ability to work on all of those. And as I was reading one of the chapters from Tozer, I came to the understanding of my own sin in that and coming to the place of needing to confess before the Lord. Paul, you had a heart attack for Pete's sake. What are you confessing? I'm confessing all of those things that were mine to own and I didn't own. I changed and started with confession. And then it comes to repentance. That's turning and moving in a new direction. And I've turned and I'm moving in a new direction. I've eaten more kale than I care to admit over the last 10 weeks. I, uh, so many salads, I'm starting to look green. And, uh, but I'm losing some weight and I'm working at it and I'll continue to work at it. And in other areas of your life, the Bible calls that fruits of repentance. What's changing? How are you moving in a new direction? My flesh and my heart may fail, realize, accept, and change. And as you hear this message today, what's God calling you to change? I'm not calling anybody to go on a diet. That may be what you need to do. I'm talking about our spiritual heart. What is there that's not beating the way it should be beating because of other circumstances we've allowed to get in the way and we just push them aside and let it go and, and God's calling you to confession and repentance about those things that you'll have a solid, healthy, spiritual heart. Here's the third point of the message today. The hope of a failed heart is God's story. The first part was my story. The second part was our story. Now we want to take a look at God's story. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God, but God, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those are two of the greatest words in the Bible, but God. If you don't have a but God story in your life, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. But God. I was on my way. I was going down this path. But God. I thought what I could do would take care of things. But God. If you don't have a but God story in your life, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this is a, a critical piece. But even in Asaph's life, as he was going through, this is an amazing psalm. As I said, I preached on it early in the year. You can go and listen to the whole psalm. But in verse 17, it says, Asaph went to the sanctuary of God. Uh, he was comparing, looking at the world, how it was getting ahead. And this was his but God moment. I went to the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their final destiny, it says. He got the but God. 
Uh, last week when Leo was preaching uh, on the life of Hezekiah, he talked about when all of that was going on and all the pressures from the king were coming on him. And, and what did he do? He went to prayer. He went to prayer. He laid it out before the Lord. That was his but God moment. Um, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. There is no solution to the desperate state of man's flesh and his heart. No solution but God. But God. And so quickly, I want you to see six things that show how God is my strength, the but God part. The first but God is the strength to bring me from death to life through his son, Jesus Christ. My heart is failing. I can't solve this problem. I'm separated from God, but God. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the but God intersection in our lives. There's nothing you could do to fix it. You had no hope. But God, he reached out in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came and he suffered and he died and he paid the price for your sin. He hung on a cross paying a price you couldn't pay so you could have a life that you didn't deserve. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God. And you can't earn it and you don't deserve it and you transfer your trust and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. But God is the strength of my heart. If you think you're going to get to the Lord by what you are and what you think you can do and what you think you can accomplish, you are woefully foolish. But God. But God. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that, the, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, right? And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you come to the place of realizing you're a sinner, accepting the fact you can't do anything about it, but trust the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will change. He will change your heart. That's the first one. Here's the second one. But God is the strength revealed through his word. God is revealed his strength through his word. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God has given us his word. He's given us everything we need for godliness and holiness so that we can understand who he is and what the requirements are and how he's leading. He's given it all in his word. But God is the strength of my heart and he's given us the answer to what we need in his word. Are you in God's word? Are you reading it? Are you studying it? Are you desiring to know God? Here's the third thing. But God is the strength to forgive sin. Sin in the past and the ongoing sin in my life. It's amazing the moment you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, all of your sin in the past is gone. The word is called justification. We're made just as if we'd never sinned. Not only that sin, but all of your sin in the present and all of your sin in the future is, is covered by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. God forbid, Romans 6 says. But David said this in Psalm 51.10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
But God, here's the fourth one, but God, the strength I need to grow in my faith. You don't grow in your faith without God leading and helping. Sanctification is not a work of man alone. Sometimes we think that salvation is the work of God and sanctification is the part that we do. Well, salvation is a work of God. 99.99999% is the work of God. We received the finished work. You were dead, you didn't care, and Christ came and he died for you. And God brings us from death to life and we, our little pieces, we believe. We receive it. The sanctification, yeah, we have a part in sanctification. We're told to be sanctified. We're told to be set apart. But the reality of God's spirit is still working in us even in that and we need God's strength to be sanctified, to live purely before the Lord. Psalm 119.10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Psalm 112 verse 7 says, He is not afraid of bad news. My heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. And God is our strength to grow. Two more. Uh, God is the strength that gives me peace. God is the strength that gives me peace. One of the most... Um, interesting things for me as I process through my recovery is trusting my heart again. Trusting it again. I remember when I broke my ankle and I was in the hospital and they put the cast on and for a number of weeks I was off of it. And then they take the cast off and they say, well, you walk on it. And you're like, I don't know if I can. And you have to learn to trust it. It's a little bit like that with your heart except the implications are far more serious but it's like, trust your heart. Trust your heart. And the doctors all talk about, no, it's okay. You just go ahead and start to work out and all the rest. And, you know, be careful and pacing and all the rest. But, and they said, you'll think less and less about it. It's funny, when I'm preaching, I don't think about my heart hardly at all. When I'm talking with people or working, when you're sitting at home with nothing to do, you feel everything, right? Most of you, I, I, a lot of those things I had before, um, you just denied them or you, you ignored them or they're just the way it is, right? But you got to learn to trust your heart. But one of the things that God gives in all of this is, is peace. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then one more. God's strength. God's strength that will bring me to heaven. John 14, 1 to 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. But God. Do you have a but God story in your life? The but God of salvation, the but God of these other things we've talked about. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Well, you ready? So what? Haven't heard that for a while, eh? So what? The last part of that verse says, God is the strength of my heart and my portion. And my portion forever. Now, that word and my portion is a metaphor taken from the ancient custom among the Jews of dividing inheritance whereby everyone had his allocated, allotted portion. Um, God is not only my strength, but God is my portion. 
God is the supplier of everything that I need. He's the one who's doling it out. He's the one who's giving it generously to us. And God is not holding it back. He wants to pour out on us lavishly. I'm not talking about easy lifestyle. I'm not talking about a three-car garage. I'm not talking about that foolishness. I'm talking about everything you need for godliness and holiness in your life. God is pouring it out to us. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Everything you need, everything you require, God is pouring it out for you. And he's pouring it out for you forever. Not for a day, not for a week or a month or a year or an age or a million of ages, but for eternity. God is the strength of your heart and your portion forever. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power of belongs to God and not to us. I don't know what you're up against today. I don't know what the pressures are you're facing. I don't know what the struggle is that you're up. I don't know what's causing you to have heart failure. But God, but God is the strength of your heart and my heart, and God is your portion forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth of this verse. I, I never dreamt when I was 16 or 17 years old when uh, you gave me this verse as my life verse that I would ever stand here and preach it in this kind of a context. But Lord, you are good and you are faithful and you are my portion. I thank you for physical health and strength and for whatever days you give me, Lord, I want to live them for your honor and for your glory. But Lord, I want to make sure that not only is my physical heart strong, Lord, my spiritual heart and our spiritual hearts, that's our story. And maybe we've been flippant and we haven't cared and we haven't taken care of our heart like we should and you've placed something in the minds of your people here this morning. God, give us the grace to, to uh, see and realize and accept and change. Not for ourselves, but for the glory of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen.